close encounters of the third kind. Actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I gotta do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses. Sorry, you distracted me with whatever it was you were doing. Yeah, Episode what were you doing? three. I was doing mouth exercises. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's like mouth stretches. Like you just turned to me and just like started panting like a dog, and I was like, "What?" I was yeah, like, yeah. Is that an invitation for something? I learned it at theater camp. Okay. No, I just made that up. I okay. never went to theater camp. You look like you would have. I would have. I would have gone if I had ever been invited. Oh. Never got invited Me to theater either, camp. Actually. Welcome to the show. I am John J. Murray. Uh, Lauren Lance is joining me, as well as Michael Lance, aka Endless Mike. Ooh. Welcome to the show. Hey. Uh, I uh, before the show started, I uh, accidentally crushed Mike's childhood memories. This actually kind of does l- lead into a little bit of mysteriousness. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit because 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 when Mike was a kid, he went he w- we went to the same camp. Uh, when we were in the Boy Scouts, and Mike remembers there being a murderer loose. Yeah, I I remember, <laughs> like I remember going and hearing that there was a murderer loose, and so we weren't allowed to leave our tents at night. Yeah, and then I've believed that that was a true story up until about ten minutes ago. Yeah, and that's just something that they tell you every time to scare you into not sneaking out of your tent at night. And it worked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, did you sneak out of your tent at night? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you oh, still did. Oh, well then... <laughs> yeah, okay. like, I mean, it, like it, it, for some reason, I heard the story, and it didn't really affect me. I was like, oh, well, there's a lot of people around. Whatever. It's, <laughs> it, I... Because I also just learned that also the camp is about five minutes away when I remember it being about two hours away, and it was a lot smaller than I remember it being. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I thought the murder was in a whole different part of the camp. <laughs> so if, it, if the murder was actually there... You would have been fucked because the camp was way smaller. You just figured like, hey, we're we're on the edge of the uh, the thousand acre wood. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's, he's probably, in the middle. Yeah, he's in the middle someplace. It'd yeah, take I thought him two it was really far in. away. <laughs> but turns out there was no murderer, and the camp was a lot smaller than I remember it being. <laughs> so there goes my childhood. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we got a great show coming up for you. Uh, we got a little bit of science news that we're going to start out with. But later in the show, for our feature segment, we're going to be talking about the curse of the crying boy painting. Ooh, spooky. Mm. It's a little spooky, yeah. And a little bit sexy. It's, it's very is sexy. It sexy? <laughs> <laughs> no. Crying boys are always sexy. Okay, well, I mean, if that is what you're into, then prepare to be turned on. <laughs> uh, yeah, first up, though, is... Uh, they have actually found a real, archaeologists have found a real uh, witch prison from a 15th century Scottish chapel. Ooh, that's cool. Uh. Is that a drawing of it there? Yep. Huh. Uh, well, this is the drawing of the chapel here. Oh, Let okay. me go ahead and show this to Lauren. Uh, an iron ring set in the stone pillar of a 15th century chapel in the Scottish city of Aberdeen may not look like much, but historians say it could be a direct link to a dark chapter in the city's past. The trial and execution of 23 women and one man accused of witchcraft during Aberdeen's Great Witch Hunt in 1597. I was skeptical, to be honest. The ring is not all that spectacular, but it is actually quite genuine, said Arthur Winfield, a project leader for the Open Space Trust in the United Kingdom, which is restoring the chapel as part of a community-based redevelopment of East Kirk Sanctuary and the historic Kirk of St. Nicholas in central Aberdeen. Winfield told Live Science that two places within the Kirk, the Lowland Scots word for church, have been equipped as a prison for witches uh, snared in the Aberdeen witch hunt. The stone vaulted chapel of St. Mary and the tall steeple of the Kirk, which was at the time the tallest structure in the city. Oh, so they kept witches up there? Like, yeah. Ooh, that's creepy. That's really creepy. Keep, keep witches in the top of the tallest building? Ugh. Yeah, they probably just threw them out the window when they were ready to execute I them. I just, you know, they're... <sighs> I feel really weird about them going, oh, we found this old building. They used to murder people here. 
let's make it look nice again. Let's bring well, it back I mean, to its former glory. To be fair, glory. they didn't murder people. They they killed witches. Yeah, and witches are evil. Yeah. Oh, I forget about that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's fine. My bad. Winfield said that neither location would have been warm in the winter of 1597 when those accused of witchcraft awaited trial and likely their execution. In the winter nowadays, the temperature gets down to three degrees Celsius in St. Mary's Chapel, and I guess it would have been even colder up in the spire. Witch, hu- witch hunting in Scotland in the 16th century was not carried out by mobs with pitchforks, but by royal commissions at the orders of the king. As a result, Aberdeen City Archives today hold meticulous original records of the witch trials and executions in 1597. So there were official witch hunters? Oh, yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah you, you haven't had... you ever seen that movie with Vin Diesel? Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, basically. No, but they they actually did get like a writ of like the fact that they were a witch hunter and like the town was, you know, they had to pay them so much. It wasn't a lot, but it was a stipend for them coming to the town. So you just go to the town and you're like, all right, ladies, line up. Who's left-handed? Yeah. yeah. How many, show us your nipples. <laughs> yeah, show us. How many nipples do you I'm have? I'm going to need some redheads and I'm going to need them all to take their dresses off. So, all right, I'm going to need to see if any of you can float. <laughs> uh yeah, so that's pretty interesting that they actually found uh, a witch prison. Yeah, and they also found the records. Uh, the records actually show uh, the details for the cost of the rope, wood, and tar later used to burn the convicted witches at the stake. Oh, oh they kept meticulous records. That's so yeah. mundanely <laughs> morbid. Yeah, it's like here's the, how much does the tar cost? Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's it's it's so it's like not interesting but also i don't know it's very strange so how much would it cost to burn a witch in today's money oh it'd be at least three four hundred bucks it's like probably twice as much as putting your pet down you need (laughs) you need you know you need some rope i would say if you did it yourself diy 40 (laughs) bucks at home depot maybe but but you got to pay the witch hunter for their time also i'm saying diy do you know oh yeah well, here's a silver lining. Uh, most of the condemned were actually strangled to death before their bodies were burned. Oh, God. Oh, so, all right. So it wasn't that bad. So <laughs> do they mean strangled to death as in hung, or they were just like hands to throat strangled? Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a less efficient way. Well, like, it, it doesn't say. It just says strangled. There's a bunch of different ways you can strangle somebody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a guy whose job is to just what, strangle what you, witches. Hey, Jerry, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm the witch I'm strangler. I'm the official court strangler of Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> He's just got giant hands. Really big, strong hands. But he's like five foot two. <laughs> Oh, man, that's sick. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. Um, A dragon has been spotted flying in the sky over New Jersey. This is the only supernatural supernatural character, not character, but uh, creature that I've ever, I've never considered to be real, you know? Dragons? Not, I've never thought about it. This was actually written... um, this was uh, written um, for Today? Lawn over at Phantom and Phantoms and Monsters. It's from July nineteenth. Oh, oh, yeah. Today. It was, well, no, it was a, uh, he posted it today, but he probably um, took about you know a couple hours on it yesterday. Yeah, he emailed him a, maybe a week or two ago, something <laughs> like that. Uh, the uh, this is uh, the edited email that they actually posted on the site. Hello, last weekend I was driving on Marshallville Road by the river near. Tuckahoe, New Jersey. I don't know the time, but it was dusk and the sky was light enough to see everything in the sky. I caught a glimpse of a huge flying creature crossing the roadway approximately 100 feet in the air. I swear it was shaped like a dragon, silhouetted against the lighter sky, flying, flying south towards the state forest. I looked at it for almost 10 seconds. The wings were wide and there was a long tail. The head was like that of an unknown reptile. It was dark in color and flapped the giant wings, which had to be 30 feet or more in width. There was another car behind me. They definitely saw it by the expression on their faces. I pulled over, and the two people in the other car looked over when they passed me, pointing to the sky. I tried to get them to stop, but they were moving by too fast. I lowered my window and yelled, but they continued on. When I stuck my head out of the window, I immediately smelled a foul stench and felt warm uh, downdrafts. It was very weird. I have added an image I found that closely mimics what I saw. Isn't that one of the dragons from Skyrim? I think that, that is that one is? of the dragons <laughs> from Skyrim. Yeah, but maybe, that's what he saw, maybe. He says, I'm he not saw naive. Alduin. 
He's, he, he goes on to say, I'm not naive, and I know that this could not have been an actual animal. I almost feel like I entered a time warp at the time this creature appeared. For the rest of the evening, I had a physical reaction similar to jet lag. I haven't said anything to anyone else. I live alone and retired. I've lived in the area for most of my life, and I've never experienced anything like this. There has been no mention of this in the local news. I may have seen something I shouldn't have. I'm going to so. call it right now, not a dragon. Uh, this is taking place in New Jersey off the side of the road. This is definitely the Jersey Devil. This is Chris Christie. <laughs> or Chris Christie. But no, this <laughs> is The isn't. Jersey Devil doesn't fly. Yes, it does. It has wings. It doesn't it doesn't use them. They're yeah, vestigial. It does. No. There are, there are many re- like reports of fi- of seeing the Jersey Devil and it flying. This Th- that would be exactly what this is. I don't think the Jersey Devil was that big either. Well, yeah, this uh, so this was actually the sighting was July third at eight fifteen p.m. Uh, his description was stark and believable. The body from tip to tail was estimated at fifty to sixty feet. Oh shit! And there were two long appendage- appendages on each side of the head. The foul stench was likened to rotting fish. Hmm. Could be uh, what's it called? Um. Sulfur? Sulfur, yeah. Yeah, it could be sulfur. Sulfur doesn't really smell like fish. It smells like eggs. Yeah, it smells like rotten yeah, eggs. Yeah, but you get sulfur coming up from the seabed sometimes at low tide. Yeah, so maybe maybe he was in a time slip and it was some sort of a prehistoric creature. Or a dimensional shift. Maybe. Or maybe the creature is in a time slip. How do we, you know, why does he have to be in a time slip? Yeah, he doesn't. A lot of times, I think with cryptids, it is that way around, where it's the supernatural creature has slipped through and not you. So you think maybe this is like some sort of transdimensional thing or something from the past? Probably. And the reason I would say that is because this guy doesn't report any sort of time loss. If he reported time loss, I would say he slipped through, but yeah. he doesn't. Everything is chronological. Plus, it happened to the people behind it him, It happened too. to the people behind him. This obviously happened on our plane in our time, if it did happen. Um, yeah, and the jet lag thing is probably just an adrenaline dump. Oh, yeah. He yeah, that's probably what felt I like think. shit afterwards. Yeah, because if, yeah, if you see something weird like that... It's so even at, a, even at 100 it. feet up, that thing would still look really, really big. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it was just a pelican. No, <laughs> it's a really weird bat. Yeah, it's just a, maybe it's a bat that was only two feet from his face. Yeah, well, it's uh, anyway. It's good to know that dragons are real and they're American. Yeah, that's true. It is, you know, it is uh, slightly refreshing to me to hear about dragons because that's just something you don't, especially coming out of Jersey. I would expect him to automatically go to the Jersey Devil. Yeah, that just seems so obvious. But yeah, uh, maybe my, it was just too much, too big for that. My crazy, my crazy uncle said he saw the Jersey Devil one time. Oh really? Yeah. What? What did he say? Anything about it? No, he didn't say it was flying. Huh. <laughs> he said he just saw it in the woods. Oh, sounds more like a Bigfoot sighting, actually. Well, it hangs out in the Pine Barrens. So I can just imagine that conversation. Like, I saw the Jersey Devil once. Oh really? What happened? No, he was just in the woods. He was just <laughs> hanging out. It's the most anticlimactic just story hanging out, ever. Drinking a beer in front of his trailer. <laughs> he hit me. He hit me in the head with a full beer can. <laughs> It's just not the Jersey Devil at all. It's just a guy that you're, like, staring at. Some asshole whose only clothing is just an old ripped-up Halloween <laughs> costume. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, woman receives terrifying phone message from ghosts that haunted her childhood home. Most people have received a creepy voicemail at least once in their life. Yeah, I got a call the other night from uh, South Korea. Did you really? Yeah. Was it Kim Jong-un? No, I don't think so. Well, that's I, North Korea. They were just breathing into the phone real weird. Well, then how... Oh, I guess you saw the area code then? Yeah, it said that it was from South Korea. I was like, Oh, huh. weird. So, I think it was a wrong number. Yeah, it's a lot of money they probably paid yeah, they long spent a distance long, to breathe over the phone. A lot of money for a wrong number. <laughs> yeah, I should have just left it on. <laughs> Maybe it was a butt dial. Somebody accidentally dialed oh my the God. country how code with their ass. How fucking unfortunate would that be? Ooh, I gotta, him. I gotta remember to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most people have received cre- a creepy voicemail. I said that. Oftentimes, they can be attributed to prank calls, technical problems, or a good old-fashioned butt dial. But once in a while, they can be from somewhere else. After missing a series of telephone calls from her elderly mother's landline, a woman known only as Judy played back the recorded messages on her answering machine, only to receive a terrifying shock. The garbled voice whispered on the other end of the line sounded all too familiar, like a ghost from her past. 
According to Judy, uh, her childhood was often the scene of frightening displays of paranormal activity. Her sister would often collapse and speak in tongues. Mysterious noises plagued her home, and at one point the activity in the house got so bad a priest was actually called in to do a blessing on the property. All of these incidents seemed to stem from their bathroom, where a ghostly voice would whisper her name from the shadows. Jesus, in the bathroom? Uh, Wait a minute. They got shadows in their bathroom? Shadows? Why is that? Oh, because he said it was from the shadow. I think that was like a like the metaphorical sh- shadows. Man. Oh, okay. Our bathroom <laughs> has shadows. Our bathroom is dark as fuck at night. No, it's not. It is. It's. I don't like it. <laughs> Lauren doesn't like. Okay, it's not dark at all in when there. When you're in the shower, it's pretty fucking spooky. <laughs> Oh, yeah, especially when I turn off the light when you're in the shower. Yeah, because you're a dick. <laughs> what alarmed Judy the most about the mysterious message was the sound of a deep male voice whispering the name Judy. <laughs> That's how it's spelled. I'm supposed to put this up for you. Sorry. <sighs> Under the uh, choppy static, the voice sounded exactly like the one that had uh, stalked her in her childhood home. Judy asked her mother if she had accidentally left the message, but uh, the elderly woman was adamant that she hadn't even picked up the phone that day. Judy's daughter, who goes by the screen name Midware, took to the uh, paranormal message boards of Reddit to share the spooky audio messages captured by her mother. Oh, nice. Of course, there was a lot of debate about whether or not the strange sounds recorded on Judy's answering machine were legitimately paranormal, with some suggesting that it was only multi-frequency tones, but others were not so quick to dis- discount the validity the validity of undoubtedly cre- of the undoubtedly creepy recording. Sorry. Some listeners suggested they could even hear snippets of warnings hidden in the audio saying things like hide and go to the house and hurry. Others reported feelings of dread while listening to the message as if it was coming from a dark, malevolent spirit. Hmm. Whatever you believe, if you wait until it's nice and dark to give the minute-long clip a listen, there's a good chance you might start deleting your voicemails before you listen to them. Oh, we didn't listen to that. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, listen to this real quick and discuss... uh, It does kind of sound like whispering. It also kind of sounds like a butt dial. I did. I heard Judy right there. What are you saying? Some of the things do sound like whispers. Oh, Mike actually can't hear any of this. Yeah, Mike's no, just I can kind of hear. I can hear it through your headphone actually. Oh. So yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's definitely up in the air. But yeah, it's it's one of those supernatural things where it's so vague. It's. It's honestly, it feels like a butt dial, and she's just attributing it to her childhood ghost because she, still she wants about to. It. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. I mean, it could be. I'm a little skeptical of that one, honestly. Yeah, I'm pretty skeptical. I mean, it just it a couple like of the breathing. sounds do sound like a creepy male deep voice. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's. I'll give him this. If I heard it on my voicemail. And I, like, I wasn't anticipating it or anything like that, or looking for like specific things. I, it would freak me out. Like, I get why they felt the way that they felt. Yeah, and well, and it's also coming from the house that you heard the voice in the first time. Yeah, that is probably the freakiest thing. Yeah, that's. It's not just a random number. That's were, a little bit. That is definitely up there with the weirdness. There was that one story of of uh, there was a lady who got phone calls um, from a ghost. <coughs> And it was like for a decade at a time, at the same time of day, and huh. she would just answer the phone. I was trying to pull up her name because this is an old story. Okay, that's but uh, creepy. I can't find her, unfortunately. Well, maybe but, we'll have that story next time. Yeah, maybe next time. I'll have to find that for future uh, stuff. Okay. Well, right now, uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk about a uh, theory that Lauren had earlier in the week, and that has popped up again on the internet. Yep, she's vindicated. I, I, you know what? I'm not just vindicated. I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> like I wanted to be the person to spread this first, not, not well, you. You should start a blog weird. then. Oh, that's too much work. I'd rather just talk into the microphone than type out. Well, shit you can for hours. you can say it now. It's fine. Okay, so 
Unless you're us and go on Week and Weird, which is a good website. Um, they got a lot of cool stuff. Some of it's a little spoopy, but it's cool. <laughs> um, unless you read that, you don't know this, so I'm going to be the person to tell you this first. Okay, so, all right, ghost hunters have EB- EVP readers and such. And some of them generate random words and stuff like that. And it's through the randomness. It's like the things they use on ghost hunter exactly. shows. Yeah, they and, call the spirit box, I think. Yeah. And it's through the randomness. Like, once you start getting patterns, then it's believed that you're communicating with a ghost. And so a lot of Pokemon, a lot of Pokemon hunting, which Mike and I have been Pokemon, obsessive with. Yeah, Pokemon Go. Uh, a lot of people are obsessed over it lately. Yeah. We've, we talked about it on Something Planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is generated through randomness. So my thought is that if you can get a ghost to communicate with you through like a spirit box or whatever, why couldn't you use a uh, use Pokemon Go? Yeah, if they're just to pinpoint it in the room. So you're saying if they're just ma- manipulating electrical signals in the air, is mm-hmm. that what they're doing with these? Is that is that what the theory behind these EVP mm-hmm. boxes are? Yeah, yeah, that's the theory. So why couldn't they do it that way? Dear Satan, please send me a Pikachu. <laughs> well, there's a one... Uh, yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe people sell their souls for rare Pokemon. They might. Did you see the one story where the guy went to his brother's grave and uh, Pikachu... And there was actually like a painting of Pikachu on the grave because that was his favorite Pokemon and he died when he was young. When the guy used his Pokemon Go app, there was a Pikachu there. Weird. I did not hear that story. Yeah, that is that popped up right. on my news feed the so other day. So, so you think you can use Pokemon Go to communicate with the dead? I haven't tried it yet, but I, I think it's worth a test. I mean, if, if say you got something super specific, say, and it was a difficult Pokemon. Like, I'm not saying if there's a ghost around. Like you get a haunter. Yeah, like a like place. a haunt. It doesn't even have to be like a spooky one though. But like, if if you say if there's a ghost around, a Rattata should show up. Like, obviously you're playing the numbers game because those things are fucking everywhere. But if you said if there's a ghost around, a Charizard should appear right here, and like a random fucking Charizard fucking spawns. That would be creepy. Well, is that is that does that game randomly generate Pokemon? It does randomly some generate more than others. So so there's like higher chance of yeah depending on where you ones are and others yeah 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 like uh, certain kinds of Pokemon will appear near water more or mm-hmm. in forests more. It or feels at night. It, Le- Leah, my wife, uh, has been playing Pokemon Go in the neighborhood, and she claims that because we live in the hood, all she can catch is rats. <laughs> oh no, that's all we get too. Yeah, at, at our house, that's all we get. That and um, Pidgeots. Yeah, just like the uh, the the gas Pokemon coughing appears in Auschwitz. <laughs> oh yeah, that did happen. <laughs> that but was crazy. shame on them for playing at Auschwitz. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way, but it is kind of their fault for playing it at Auschwitz. Like why? Yeah, keep your phone in your pocket. Have some respect. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's my theory. I think it might work. I want to try it at least. Okay. I think I think we should uh, maybe we can do a video or something of us experimenting. Yes, to, that would be fine. Trying to go ghost hunt with the Pokemon Go that would app. Be awesome. <laughs> the silliest thing I've they ever done. Need to add done. night vision to that. Oh, that would be cool. All right. Um. So right now uh, we're gonna take a quick break. And uh, then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our uh, feature, which is the Curse of the Crying Boy painting. So let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back. Uh, 
The Curse of the Crying Boy painting. Now, this is a phenomenon that uh, started in the 1980s, right? Yeah, 1985, I think. Okay. Oh, this is in, relatively recent. Then. In, yeah, that's, that's one of the interesting things about the story. Is it started not too long ago in uh, England somewhere. Hmm. Or is it in Scot- I guess in... Or Scotland? Scotland or England? Uh, I think it's England. Sheffield. Yeah, uh, The Crying Boy, also sometimes known as The Gypsy Boy, is a mass-produced print of a painting by an Italian artist, Bruno Amadio, 1911-1981. to uh, Also known as, known as uh, Angelo Giovanni Bragolin, who in turn was also known as a uh, as Franchot Savelle, even though this isn't a name he himself used. Bregolin was an uh, academically trained painter who worked in Venice after the Second World War painting crying boys and selling them to tourists. The exact time when the painting was actually done isn't clear, but it was very probably somewhere in the 1950s. And some say Bregolin produced uh, at least 65 crying boys in his lifetime, although some estimate that it was really more in the neighborhood of one to 2,000. Even though he was known for other paintings, the Crying Boys are by far and away the most popular of his creations. Uh, a Scottish artist, Anna Zinskin, married Hellestine, also painted a series of similarly themed paintings which went by the name of Childhood. The paintings became very popular in the north of the UK, particularly South Yorkshire, among the working class in the 1960s and 70s. Prints could be bought in virtually any department store, and it graced the living rooms of many wall, uh, walls of many homes for years. It even achieved some fame outside of the UK. So, uh, here's the tale of the crying so boy curse. Yeah, it was populous. a widely circulized uh, print. Well, he, I, I guess he sold a lot of originals, and yeah. then those eventually went... What weird... Kind of like Bob Ross-style paintings, basically. But, like, what weird, like, material to become famous. Like, this isn't, like, Bob Ross Happy Trees or Thomas Kincaid, you know, Forest. This is a crying child. Yeah, like, like why a crying would people boy. be drawn well, to that? Well, nothing makes me feel good than a little kid crying. Oh. <laughs> uh, nothing makes me feel better. It's just I sexy. I can just look at that painting and be like, oh, that kid's crying because I just beat his ass. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, weird that it was like such a popular. Yeah, it's yeah, it, strange it, that it would resonate enough with people to put stuff up on their walls. Because I'm like, I go to department stores all the time, and I never ever have the desire to buy something in there. Yeah, especially Rarely. one of the paintings. Like art, yeah, yeah, like, art. I never buy art in a store. Like, I bought a, uh, I bought a um, Star Wars uh, print from Big Lots. Yeah, like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see, like, a print, like, where you're a fan of something, but just, like, oh, this crying child's so oh, we've beautiful. We've got to have a crying boy Let's in our put foyer. him up, yeah, let's put him up in, you know, on our hearth, like. <laughs> it was in uh, 1985 that The Sun, which is a tabloid newspaper, uh, is the most popular tabloid newspaper in the UK and throughout much of the English-speaking world at the time. Uh, they ran a story in its September 4th edition titled Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy and explored how there had been many houses in Yorkshire uh, where the owners had at least one print of the Crying Boy. At least one print? You're going to get two? Well, it I was need fucking one. popular. I need one on my hearth and I need one in the bathroom. I need one to watch me while I'm taking a shit. <laughs> You're hogging the Crying Boy. I'm going to have to go buy another one. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so... So houses that had at least one print of the crying boy that had burned down, and yet the painting mysteriously survived unscathed. This was reported by Alan Wilkinson, a fire station officer who had personally logged as many as 50 crying boy fires up until that time, which dated back to 1973. For this reason, no firefighter would ever allow a crying boy print in his own home. One was uh, even offered to Wilkinson upon his retirement, presumably as a joke, and he turned the gift down. Instead, as a joke, he attempted to hang one up in the firehouse that he oversaw, but his superiors demanded he take it down immediately upon finding out. Yeah, no eh. shit. Why tempt fate like that? Yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah, you really want to make, make it the most ironic fire ever? Yeah. <laughs> Then it seemed as though the curse vanished, uh, as all went quiet for some time. But then the story started to surface uh, abroad about crying boy fires, and it has even seen a resurgence in the UK once more in recent years. Oh, you skipped the part where they had a big bonfire and destroyed as many as uh, oh yeah, two thousand prints of the crying boy. 
2,500 prints. That's a big bonfire. So, yeah, basically, basically, I read in a different article that when this got reported, like, tons of people started calling into the newspaper and, and talking about similar instances as well. That's yeah. so odd. Of having a fire or and uh, just just the print surviving which is creepy just to have like the burned wreckage of your house and you just see this crying boy like yeah a, just maybe a little charge what got me the most about this was that i don't it might say it later in the article you're looking at but it wasn't always the same print right sometimes it was a different crying boy well yeah it said that he might have made a thousand different ones yeah and that you know even even if like only ten of them are reproduced, that's still like a bunch of different paintings. Yeah. Also, it's it's weird that that guy had so many different aliases too. Yeah, that is weird. Maybe yeah. he's some sort of evil sorcerer. Who <laughs> knows? So yeah, the Sun organized a massive bonfire on Halloween of 1985, uh, where as, as many as 2,500 prints of the Crying Boy were uh, that were sent in by worried homeowners were burned. Other bonfires may have followed into November. Damn. Uh. People who have uh, an original painting or a print of the crying boy are apparently at severe risk of injury or there's a large chance that their house will burn down. Some claim that the painting is filled with uh, subliminal messages which encourages people to buy the painting, take it home, and hang it on the wall. Like, that would, that's the only explanation as to why that was so popular. Yeah. I don't... I mean... People love to jump to the subliminal messages route, but I mean, if you look at the painting, it's just magic. It's I mean, it's just you enchantment. Could, you could go enchantment. You could go a bunch of different ways, but like subliminal messages seems weird to me because if you look at the painting, it's just a picture of a crying child. Like there's no, you know, you don't turn on a black light. I mean, I don't know if anyone tried, but I don't think you. Well, it's, six, it's six, under six the on paint. There. There's a spell written in Inaki and in blood. <laughs> That's as good a theory as anything. Yeah. Paintings of the crying boy are often found intact and still hanging on the wall after everything else in the house, including most of the hell house itself, has burned to a cinder. And this is probably for the best because it was said that if a portrait were to fall off a wall, that would be even worse because that is regarded as an omen of impending death. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's the same. That's actually for any portrait. Yeah, that's just, that's that's just an old folk that's tale. That's an old folk tale, yeah. So when paintings fall off the wall, that's a bad sign? Of a portrait. Yeah, Like a, a specific person. Yeah. Like if you have a family member in a portrait then they f and it falls on the ground like they're supposed to die or get ill or something oh, like that. Okay. That's the thing. Uh, the t let's see. It says, uh, the only two ways the curse can be broken is to either give the painting away to someone, seeing as burning it doesn't always seem to work according to those who have tried, or you need to get a hold of a crying girl picture. The two of them together will bring good luck, canceling out the bad luck, according to legend. Others claim that being kind to the print can bring you good luck. Those like, last two are kind of silly. Don't cry, little boy. Ugh, <laughs> could, you could you imagine just standing, like, just like for hours, just like, don't cry, little boy. Yeah, it's that's, okay. Yeah, what if he stopped? <laughs> that's uh, weird. That's like... Here's Somebody a, made that up, though. That, that feels contrived. Here's a video of, uh, of, of Punt P.I. from uh, the BBC Radio Punt. trying to burn one. Punt. Punt. <laughs> yeah, they're trying so to burn the... So this is him. Prints. It's like a... What is this? Like a... Something to start... Like a charcoal? Yeah, I think it's just... Uh, something to start your barbecue? Charcoal starter or something like that. Yeah, so it's like a ball of this like charcoal stuff, and it's like burning this flame up, and... Uh, and we see that it's like burning through the painting, but like the whole thing should just be like going up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it just stays to the side. Like it, the flames, like. No, yeah, the whole. It only stays where the fire goes up. And like, it's interesting because the flames go up tall enough that if they were to move to the side one bit, it would touch his face and it would burn the face of the child. It in the doesn't painting. even touch the boy's coat. No, it, but the flames go up so high, but every time it gets close to the face, it angles away from the face. Yeah, which so, is very strange. So the conclusion of this experiment is that the uh, what what uh, Punt came decided. He said that the paintings don't burn for two main reasons. One is that the print is put on a high density hardboard, which is difficult to burn. But I'll note that 
probably not all of them are on high density yeah. hardboard. Yeah, no. I mean, how many including originals are not on high density hardboard. No, I would say not. Yeah, the original should be more flammable than anything. Yeah, and the second is that the print itself is covered in a flame resistant varnish. But I watched this video earlier, and they never they they theorize that it's covered in a flame resistant varnish, but they don't actually prove yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, the thing that confuses me about their whole experiment is that it's kind of half-assed. Like, if that, if you saw that happen... And they're not all made in the same factory. Yeah, no. If you saw that happen, it's like, wow, it, re- it only burned the corner. It wouldn't even finish burning. It actually went out. Then I would want to take it to a lab and, like, look at the paint. Maybe there is something on there. But they're just like, eh, well, maybe. And they just kind of let it go. Like... Follow through, guys. Come on. Yeah, but punt. I mean, even in your house, like, like there's like, uh, you know, the certain things are covered in, in varnish. Yeah. And they still burn. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It would also something that's covered in varnish. It's a lot. It's pretty damn hard to burn a hole. Like the fire had no problem burning a hole through that thing. Yeah, through the side. Yeah. And that part should have been just as covered in varnish as the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, so he also says, in addition to this, the paintings were said in some cases to fall on the floor after the string at the back of the paintings perished. And from there, the painting would collapse face first on the floor, thereby uh, preserving the print. This last theory contradicts some eyewitness accounts that detail how after the fire, the painting was still hanging on the wall. And it also fails to explain why other paintings did not survive the fires if they had been given the same treatment or were exposed to the same circumstances. Well, that's true because a print company, a company that's going to like mass print uh, paintings to sell in department stores, they're not. It's not just one company that's just just making crying boys. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, they're making all kinds of other prints, pr- mm-hmm. presumably in the exact same fa- fashion that they're making uh, the other ones. Yeah. yeah. The, the crying they're boy Kincaids stuff. Kincaids or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So those paintings aren't like. Those like surviving fires, yeah, yeah. We don't hear about we. It's not like we hear like, oh, well, the one thing that lasts through a fire is paintings and prints. Like, yeah, those made are by the, the yeah, pa- paintings and books. Those are the first things to fucking go up. Like. Right, right. Uh, firefighters themselves were unable to come up with any real reason why the paintings didn't burn. Those of a more superstitious orientation claim that the tears running down the boy's cheeks put out the flames that attempted to Aww, burn it. Aw, that's so sweet. <laughs> How sweet. <laughs> he tried uh, to help. Some other people other than Stephen Poont have uh, tried to burn the painting themselves in a controlled environment, only to find that they indeed didn't burn. This has to make one wonder how the sun was so successful at burning some 2,500 paintings or whether they were actually really burned at all. Well, I mean, like, with a concerted effort, it looks like you could burn it. Like, yeah. Well, like, but like a house fire is definitely a concerted effort. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's massive flames. I mean... That, like, will burn up a body to nothing. That's actually a really great point. I would love to look into this further and see if there are photos of the aftermath of the bonfire because there's, so there's a f- they uh on they sh- and one of the articles they showed the cover of the sun when they they organized the the uh, bonfire with a uh, with a popular pinup girl at the time who was throwing it showed a throwing onto the paintings but now that I think about it there was a fire and there was the prints in the picture but none of them looked like they were actually burning or on fire the fire was on top of the pile of prints but you could still see all the faces yeah you could yeah. see all the faces well yeah. i mean actually maybe I'll, and, I'll see if i can find how interesting right now. would it be if it just turned out that they just buried them like well we tried yeah <laughs> yeah maybe they just uh they didn't burn and then they just like dumped them in the fucking river or something. yeah look yeah it's right there all right so yeah you can see uh this is the cover of the sun. Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely f- a fire going on, but it just looks like, yeah. It just looks like it's on top of the you paintings. You can still see all the faces, Do yeah. Do you know the name of the pinup model? Yeah, it's uh, it's in the article somewhere. I can find it really fast. Because that would be interesting. I would like to know, because if this thing is truly cursed, right? Sandra I, Jane Moore. Sandra Jane Moore. I feel like trying, like deliberately trying to cause harm to this thing seems like a bad idea. Like, if this thing is pissy enough to burn your fucking house down, I think taking like living flame to it and trying to burn it might piss it off. 
That is a good point, yeah. Like, I, if someone said to me, you know, it, like, hey, Lauren, let's go burn this haunted picture. It's, you know, it's murdered a bunch of people and they're, you know, burning houses or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to be in the same room as that thing, let yeah. alone responsible for damaging it. Yeah, that's true. Well, nothing, I mean, the sun never burned down, so that's good. Uh, here's some theories on the identities of the Crying Boys. Uh, Tom Slellman, an author, claimed that he had a source by the name of George Mallory, a retired school headmaster, who had apparently met with the artist. Giovanni uh, Bragolin, Bragolin told him that the boy was a sad little street urchin by the name of Don Bono, Bonolio, who was despised and unwanted, unwanted by everyone in Madrid because it was said that the fires were said to start in any house he settled in. So, this kid, supposedly, <laughs> any house that he settled in would uh, start on fire. Oh, wow. That's unfortunate. Including his parents' home, consuming them in the blaze, which has led some to believe that he was an arsonist, possibly even a fire genius, someone who has no control over the fires they start. Sounds unbelievable, but apparently there is at least one known person who has the ability in the world named Nina uh, Kulagina. So, maybe he can, like... So it's like like the theory is that he's like a like Drew Barrymore like fire starter. I've never heard the phrase fire genius before. Fire. <laughs> that, that sounds, sounds awesome. I don't know. That sounds really silly to me. Like I think that's like the name of an al alternative band. Yeah, it does. <laughs> fire, fire genius. genius. <laughs> <laughs> that is to me. That's got to be some sort of funk fusion band that like <laughs> plays at a brewery or something. So villagers actually called the boy Diablo, meaning devil. So Bragolin adopted him against the advice of the local Catholic priest. Ah! Uh, he painted him and managed to uh, capture the sad, tearful expression on his face. Some believe that the artist may have beaten the child, perhaps due to his uh, pyromanical behavior, and that is why he was crying in the painting. In fact, it is claimed that uh, Bragolin's studio burned out after having painted the child's portrait, and that Bragolin blamed the boy for it and chased him away. It was several years until the name would resurface, but eventually in the mid-1970s, it was reported that an individual had been involved in a traffic collision and that the car had exploded into flames. The name on the driver's license read Don Bonolio. The tale was partially backed up by a psychic who had apparently no knowledge of any of the stories surrounding Bragolin and the child. So, uh, yeah, that's creepy. I mean, uh... I'm not sure if there's any, like, actual way to prove that that child existed. Yeah, that's true. But if we were to assume that that's true, then that it makes perfect sense. I mean, it does tie it up really nicely if that's what happened. You know, that yeah. he caught the image of this fire starter child who he beat, and it became this, like, malevolent died, thing. Yeah. When he died, he cursed all the paintings yeah, yeah. I mean, all the prints got of it a little piece of his soul in it like uh horcruxes yeah, kind maybe. of yeah i mean it's a great idea uh this is little little kid voldemort little kid voldemort mm -hmm. that sounds like fun children's books i uh i looked up sandra jane moore and there's literally no info about there her is nothing i looked it up a bunch too. Of naked pictures of her so she's just a pinup yeah yeah it's weird. But, I mean, I looked at her Wikipedia page, and just, like, her personal life section is three sentences long. Yeah, like, it it's, is tiny. It's oddly empty. So, or just, or maybe her life was fucking boring. I maybe nothing I... happened to her. Maybe, maybe, like, you know, she burned it, but it didn't matter. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Some people just write the entire thing off to coincidence, or, uh, you know, um... There's another theory on the identity of the artist is that he himself was actually cursed, and maybe that's why the paintings were cursed, and he, because he was cursed, people knew that, so that's why he kept changing his name, so that people would still buy his paintings. That does explain why he has a bunch of different names. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if I like that one, but... It's not as exciting as the uh, Firestarter Child. Uh, I wasn't paying attention for a minute. Did you talk about the thing in Brazil where he went on TV? No. No, not yet. Okay. Um, it was claimed in the 1980s uh, when the painting became popular in Brazil, Bragolin went on a TV show and explained that all the paintings were of dead children. 
or at least represented them, leading some to have even stronger beliefs that the paintings were cursed or haunted in some fashion. Bragolin apparently admitted that he had made the, a pact with Satan in order to sell his work and become wealthy. How many starving artists in the world haven't thought of doing the same? So, I don't know. Maybe he sold his soul to the devil. Uh, that's a, All right, so if we were to go that route, it, that route makes the most sense to me is that he did it as a publicity stunt because people just love to get upset about Satanists and all that oh, shit. Oh, especially in the 80s. Oh, my God. That's, 80s and 90s? Oh, have you watched those cop training videos against Satanists? Well, I have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I forgot to mention that. I'm gonna, I'll throw that in the show notes. We found an old uh, police training video from like either the 80s or 90s. It's a treasure. It's that an just absolute explains treasure. explains how to police against occultists. And Satanists, <laughs> yeah. It, it shows you all the signs, like how they use you know the pentagram and the swastika one of my favorite things was him like he had an altar in front of him and just telling you what different altar items do and i'm like ah, that's not what that's for <laughs> he also had amazing hair yeah he had probably one of the most kick-ass mullets i've ever seen that's why i think that he is actually secretly a sorcerer a sorcerer and a pussy crusher yeah. for sure <laughs> necromancer pussy crusher all high levels. So, yeah. yeah, master level, level 90. 90 pussy crusher <laughs> slash sorcerer. Yeah, yeah. So he's Check a sorcerer, and he is—he's just uh, spreading misinformation. Oh yeah, about, about his own powers, so that the police can't ever catch him when he sacrifices babies in the woods. Yep. Smart. It's pretty smart. Yep. So you check that out in the show notes. Um, yeah. So I guess that's all for the crying boy. Um, oh, it's like what I was thinking about with the. Uh, with him being on TV and saying he's a Satanist and all that stuff, just to tie that loose end. If that was the case and there was really nothing to it, it I'm not saying that that meant that the paintings weren't cursed. Mm -hmm. I think that if you went on TV, said that, freaked a bunch of people out, everyone starts believing that these things are cursed, he created some sort of massive tulpa or thought form that inhabited these paintings. Well, that's kind of... I um, can see that, yeah. Like, it, it, if it, yeah. That, I mean, that kind of just goes back to the theory of, like, how folklore spreads, you Exactly. Know? Yeah. So, like, all these people believe in this thing so much that, that it, it becomes a, it becomes a thing, yeah. Which, uh... Great episode of Supernatural on Tulpa. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Actually, it was a really good episode. Okay. Huh. One of the original, one of the first season episodes. Well... I'm still not going to take the chance and uh, buy yeah, one of these. You can paintings. get one of these prints on Amazon, I think, for can like you? ten bucks. So you can still uh, buy one of these prints and put, put it, it up in, in your... someone's house that you hate. Yeah, yeah. You be like a modern <laughs> 1980s British family. Yeah, just uh, put it up in their house. Yep. You dumb Brexit motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So, pretty interesting stuff. Thanks for bringing that up, Mike. Uh huh. Um. Right now, it's time to do our favorite segment, You Believe in What? What, what happened, Lauren? She's just the staring painting at us. we have in our bathroom oh, in the Pedro? swamp. He's yeah. not crying. Okay. Well, you thought you had a crying boy in no, your there's bathroom? No, random, there's a random painting that's always been in Mike's bathroom. We call it the swamp. Yeah. There's, have you seen that painting? Yes. It's of a little Mexican boy named Pedro. And it's always been there. No, that came from Jared's dad's house. Yeah. Did it? And yeah. then I hung it up as a joke. Okay. All right. I just got real <laughs> He's not freaked crying out. Either, so. Okay. I just yeah, got no, real I, freaked out. I because Jared was like, "Why did my dad give me this?" And I was like, "Because it's awesome." And I immediately hung it up. <laughs> just like he gave just, us that picture of all the butts. Yeah, and I hung that one up. I love that and painting. The, and the little wooden mannequin thing that's really creepy. I have. I haven't seen that thing in months. <laughs> I, I did. I don't know where it went to either. I think it's either. crawling There's around a the creepy house. Mannequin. I think it just yeah, crawls it's a around the house it's a little wooden it's about three feet high have you never seen this thing in our house no i think you're making it up no, no I it's, swear to God, it's I'm always not. been they used to keep it you know the extra uh like lounge chair oh yeah that thing used to scare me they used to keep it there yeah it okay at least you've seen it because oh, i would have yeah. been really <laughs> freaked out if you'd never <laughs> somebody seen it. moved it one day and i haven't seen it since but nobody claims to have moved it yeah no, i used to i used to sneak into the house and reposition it <laughs> So did Jared. He used to do that <laughs> shit to me all the time. <laughs> like, just put it in a different seat or, like, in a different pose or something. <laughs> or, like, put a shirt on it. Oh, I fucking... That thing's. I remember that thing now, yeah. Yeah, that thing was creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. All right, now on to demonic possession. Uh, Lauren actually found this article um, a couple weeks ago, and we've been waiting about... 
uh, waiting to talk about it. Uh, as a psychiatrist, I diagnose mental illnesses. Also, I help spot demonic possession. So this is a board-certified uh, psychiatrist. Yes. Is this his dad? Helps the church identify people that are possessed by demons and not just crazy. So, like, like, uh, like, um, people that do exorcisms will consult with him. It's like, okay, is this chick crazy or is she? So, does he get a percentage of what the, uh, the witch hunters get if he correctly diagnoses? Well, he just gets a bag of coins from the king. Oh, nice. And female teeth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, this is written by uh, Richard Gallagher. He's at, yeah, he's actually a professor at New York Medical College. He's working on a book about demonic possession in the United States. So that'll oh, be shit. something interesting to read okay. mm. when that comes out. Uh, so this is a real guy. This yeah. is a real dude, yeah. In the late 1980s, I was introduced to a self-styled satanic high priestess. She called herself a witch and dressed the part with flowing dark clothes and black eyeshadow around to her temples. In our many discussions, she acknowledged worshiping Satan as his queen. So that's pretty so cool. It's pretty badass. I mean, yeah. if you're going to do it, do it right. Uh, he says, I'm a man of science and a lover of history. After studying the classics at Princeton, I trained in psychiatry at Yale and in psychoanalysis at Columbia. That background is why a Catholic priest had asked for my professional opinion, which I offered pro bono, about whether this woman was suffering from a mental disorder. This was at the height of the national panic about Satanism, which goes back to those uh, the police training video that we were talking about earlier. Uh, yeah. It's like in the 80s. Yeah, everybody was really, really worried about Satanists yeah, back then. Yeah, remember the... Uh Dark, what was the comic Darkest Dungeons or Dark Dungeons? It was like that showed the uh, one lady DMing a game of D and D, but secretly she was inducting the children into Satanism. Yeah, yeah. Dungeons it's the easiest way to do it. Dungeons and Dragons, the board game, is how you become a Satanist. Apparently. Yeah. Uh. So, let's see. Uh, uh, McMartin and others had recently been charged with alleged satanic ritual abuse at a Los Angeles preschool. The charges were later dropped. So, yeah, this is like a big case in the 80s. So I was inclined to skepticism, but my subject's behavior exceeded what I could explain with my training. She could tell some people their secret weaknesses, such as undue pride. She knew how individuals she'd never known had died, including my mother and her fatal case of ovarian cancer. Oh, that is very specific. That is incredibly yeah. specific. Six people later vouched to me that during her exorcisms, they heard her speaking multiple languages, including Latin, completely unfamiliar to her outside of her trances. This was not psychosis. It was w- what I uh, could only describe as paranormal ability. I concluded that she was possessed. Much later, she permitted me to uh, tell her story. The priest who had asked for my opinion of this bizarre case was the most experienced exorcist in the country at the time. And, uh, erudite. Erudite and sensible man. I had told him that even as a practicing Catholic, I wasn't likely to go in for the hocus pocus. Well, he replied, unless, unless we thought you were not easily fooled, we would hardly have wanted you to assist us. So began an unlikely partnership. For the past two and a half decades and over several hundred consultations, I've helped clergy from multiple denominations and faiths to filter episodes of mental illness, which represent the overwhelming majority of the cases, from literally the devil's work. I wonder if he ever worked at the Warrens. I don't know. I, I think that, well, this guy well, this is... This was the 80s, and the Warrens was about 20 years before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy's more contemporary, so I doubt it. It's an unlikely role for an academic physician, but I don't see these two aspects of my career in conflict. The same habits that shape what I do as a professor and psychiatrist, open-mindedness, respect for evidence, and compassion for suffering people led me to aid in the work of discerning attacks by what I believe are evil spirits and, just as critically, differentiating these uh, extremely rare events from medical conditions. So, uh, the Vatican does not track global or countrywide exorcism. I'm Bullshit. pretty sure they do. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, they do. Keep records on everything else, but not this. Yeah, that's that's a fucking lie. Yeah, they yeah. just... <laughs> Come on. Yeah, they have to track it. There's uh, uh, there's only, there's not even that many exorc- ex- exorc- exorcists that are official by the Vatican. There's, there are, there's a few, There's but, 50. But... That's easily trackable. Oh yeah! Like oh yeah! How like, could they not that's, track that? I mean, that's an Excel spreadsheet you don't even have to fucking scroll on. That's one per state. Yeah. So fifty stable exorcists, those who have been designated by bishops to combat demonic activity on a semi-regular basis, 
And that's up from just 12 a decade ago, according to the Reverend Vincent Lampert, an Indianapolis-based priest exorcist who is active in the International Association of Exorcists. There's a fucking Can association. I? You Can don't track that? Can I join that? You, I think you have to be Catholic. Oh. You gotta be, you gotta be Constantine. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be Catholic, go for it. If I can officially be known as have exorcist in my title, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm cool with it. You just, you know, yeah, go through that shit. Uh, he says he receives about 20 inquiries per week, could double the number from when his bishop appointed him in 2005. Uh, the Catholic Church has responded by offering greater resources for clergy members who wish to address the problem. In 2010, for instance, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops organized a meeting in Baltimore for interested clergy. In 2014, Pope Francis formally recognized the IAE, International Associus of, uh, Association of Exorcists, 400 members of which uh, are to convene in Rome this October. Four, 400. 400 members. I mean, you just keep a log, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, just a, just a spreadsheet, all you need. You can do it free on Google Chrome. Huh. <clears throat> uh, members believe in such strange cases because they are constantly called upon to help. I serve for a time as a scientific advisor on the group's governing board. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, not all clergy involved in this complex field are as cautious as the priests who first approach me. In some circles, there is a tendency to become overly preoccupied with punitive demonic explanations and to see the devil everywhere. Yeah, I can see that. that. Uh, that's an easy path to go on, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's that's why, like, uh, it's good to have, like, a guy that's a doctor be like, yeah, this chick doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, no, you definitely need someone she who's well-balanced. She knows how my mother died. Yeah. She yeah. knows how my mother died. Exactly how my yeah, mother died. Yeah, I know. That's that's the craziest shit. Uh, he says, uh, people with psychological problems should receive psychological treatment. But I believe I've seen the, uh, the real thing. Assaults upon individuals are classified either as demonic possessions or as the slightly more common but less intense attacks usually called oppressions. A, possess a possessed individual may suddenly... In a type of trance, voice statements of astonishing venom and contempt for religion, while understanding and speaking various foreign languages previously unknown to them. The subject might also exhibit an enormous strength or even the extraordinary rare phenomena of a levitation. He says, I have not witnessed a levitation myself, but half a dozen people I work with vow they've seen it in the course of their exorcisms. He or she might demonstrate hidden knowledge of all sorts of things, like how a stranger's loved ones died. Uh, what secret sin she has committed, even where people are given the moment. These are skills that cannot be explained except by a specific psychic or preternatural ability. Yeah, like the um, I've I've heard a couple um, reasons as to why some people might be able to speak in tongues, and it all. Well, I mean, to tongues are one thing because tongues is just bullshit. Yeah, that's just well, speaking languages they shouldn't know. Well, what was what 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 did you uh, heard about One of that? them was um. I forget what it's called, but say you hear somebody speak in Spanish, mm -hmm. and you don't—you may not understand what they're saying, but like you can remember the words kind of, and you understand the differences between each of the words, mm -hmm. and that just gets buried in your. So it's just memory. locked in your memory, yeah. and in this weird, strange state. Yeah, it's like we've all sat at a Mexican it. restaurant and listened to Spanish TV for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and your brain might, you know, just that might bubble up in some and sort of weird psychotic episode. Now the uh, the thing that I would think of from that like the is the Great Cornholio from Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Seems like you speak in Spanish. <laughs> but like, how many times? Even if they were speaking absolute Spanish, like their brain had locked up specific sentences and everything, right? What if people were confusing Latin or confusing Spanish for Latin? Maybe that's why every time you hear that someone's possessed, they're saying Latin. I don't think a priest would do that. Would be would confuse it for Latin, though. Probably not. A Catholic priest? I would, no way. I would think not. Uh, so he says, a man, as a man of reason, I've had to rationalize the seemingly irrational. Questions about how a scientifically trained physician can believe such outdated and unscientific nonsense, as I've been asked, have a simple answer. I honestly weigh the evidence. I've been told simplistically that... Levitation defies the laws of gravity, and well, of course it does. We are not dealing here with purely uh, material reality, but with the spiritual realm. One cannot force these creatures to undergo lab studies or submit to scientific manipulation. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
like how would science science uh, we haven't even figured out a way to measure something like this if it is real yeah no. and they could and like say you take them to a, a hospital to put them on like a machine or something shit like that they can just hide for a second well it's it's like science hasn't e- been able to prove or disprove that each of us have our own souls to begin with yeah so how so if you can't prove that there's one spirit inside a flesh body how could you prove that there are now two spirits inside there you can't like science is not able to prove or disprove this at this point in time yeah uh the official catholic uh Catechism holds that demons are sentient and possess their own wills. As they are fallen angels, they are also craftier than humans. That's how they sow confusion and see doubt, after all. Nor does the church wish to compromise a sufferer's privacy any more than doctors want to compromise a patient's confidentiality. Uh, ignorance and superstition have often surrounded stories of de- demonic possession in various cultures, and surely many alleged episodes can be explained by fraud, uh, chicanery, or mental pathology. But anthropologists agree that nearly all cultures have believed in spirits, and the vast majority of societies, including our own, have recorded dramatic stories of spirit possession. Despite varying interpretation, multiple depictions of the same phenomenon in astonishingly astonishingly consistent ways offer cumulative evidence of their credibility. So basically what he's saying is that everybody's been talking about this shit for ever. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I mean yeah, exorcism is And he is say- and, and and he is and he is giving in to the fact that like most of the time when he shows up the person's just crazy. Yeah, like yeah. 90% of the time it's just a mental illness. It's definitely that sort of view makes this much more credible than someone just, you know, going off on demons, you yeah. know? Yeah, so basically he's just said that, you know, the reason why he chose to do it uh, in the first place is that he's consulting uh, he's consulting with people that are in pain, and it's his job to help alleviate that, mm-hmm. you know? So whatever works, works, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's really... Demonic possession and the way that doctors and priests deal with it uh, in like in modern times is really fascinating. Like there is <clears throat> some there are some psychologists that don't personally believe in demonic possession, but they found that if someone is um, demonstrating multiple personalities or acting crazy, and they tell you I'm possessed. If you treat them as if they are possessed and it, you just go through it with them... Yeah, it tends to work. It will work and clear it up. Well, it's just it's em- placebo em- em- effect. empathy it's always being helps. being empathetic, yeah. yeah. Empathy helps in every situation. My, uh, my fa- <laughs> on, the cr- on the less rational and crazy side of the spectrum, my favorite person who goes about this would now be, because I just found this and this guy just blew my mind, is, and his name is the best part of him... Robert J. Abramson, DDS, M.A., M.D. He's that a is, dentist? Yeah. He's a, DDS, de- he's a dentist, uh, and he M-D. exercises people? Yeah. Wait, and, isn't M.A., isn't that a master of arts? I'm not sure. <laughs> he may have made that shit up. DDS? No, M.A. is master exorcist, but he doesn't spell very well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... No, this. Oh no! It's a. I bet it's master of acupuncture because he does acupuncture, and he believes that acupuncture is the cure for possession. And he in he has an article that he lists all these different cases where he's cured people of possession. My favorite one though is this guy Jeffrey, and he cures him of the possession. But uh, Abramson later writes the uh, possession was cleared up, but he was still left with his depression. It couldn't. Uh, acupuncture didn't heal him in that way and that's hilarious but that's so funny it's like you know you just cleared up a demonic possession but you're still depressed (laughs) well Well, I think you would I think you would be uh, depressed if you got raped by a demon oh I'm sure probably you got like mind fucked by a demon you'd probably be depressed for a while yeah Yeah. you just need it's called PTSD I think yeah PTSD post traumatic stress demon (laughs) yeah yeah Uh uh-huh thank you (laughs) Uh, so if you've been possessed by a demon, you can hit us up on our Facebook page. Oh, please. Uh, please. Mysteriousnesses. Yes, just send us a message. I want to hear this. Yeah, so <laughs> you can find it. Uh, Mysteriousnesses is spelled exactly how it sounds. Yep. Actually, uh, if you have any sort of weird supernatural story or question, please hit us up. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll tell your story. Yeah, or, We'd love or to. try to talk about your question. We not, may not be able to answer it. 
Yeah, but, and, if, uh, and if you uh, see any articles in uh, paranormal UFO stuff or any anything else, uh, you know, send them our way as well. Maybe we'll talk about them on the show. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do a third episode. I can't wait to do the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be on iTunes pretty soon, Woo-hoo! as long as everything in the review process goes well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've only been waiting for that for a few days. I wonder what they're reviewing. I don't know what they review, but I've never had a problem submitting one before, so it mm. should be fine. So uh, soon we'll be on iTunes and uh, Stitcher, if you are a person that likes using the Stitcher app. Uh, you can always find us at uh, somethingplanet.com and check out our other podcast, uh, Something Planet, also at somethingplanet.com and on iTunes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at somethingplanet, and you can follow Lauren on Instagram. Uh, Lauren Lance, uh, you can try to find me. My Instagram handle is obnoxious. So. <laughs> we can put it in the show notes, maybe. And Mike, Mike uses Facebook, so you can check out Mike Sometimes. Lance on Facebook. Sometimes. Sometimes he does. You can give me a call if you want. You just I call guess. him... Just show up at his house if you want. Leave him weird voicemails. Just leave him weird ghost voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, guys. This has been Mysterious. This is episode three. Thank you very much. All right. Good night.